The following message is part of the preaching ministry of Berlin Baptist Church in Sally, South Carolina. We pray God's richest blessings for you as you study His Word. If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Galatians, chapter 1. We're going to begin a study today through the book of Galatians. And I'm going to pray in just a moment before we, uh, before we study, after we read. But before I do that, I want to tell you a, a brief story. It's made up, but I think it illustrates a point. There was a certain football coach, and he just spent some time traveling around the state, and he was recruiting. And while making his way around the state, he visited several different cities, and he, he would hold events in each city, and he had seen many people um, follow his direction and want to come to, to play for him on his team. And uh, it was successful. But it came time for the coach to travel back to his home in the upstate, and uh, something very interesting happened as soon as he left the recruiting trail and got home. There were certain individuals in the state, um, just for the sake of the story, we'll call them Gamecocks. And um, among other things, they had, some, they had some beliefs that were not right. And they had some extra rules that they thought should be enforced uh, to add to this message that this upstate coach had gone around the state spreading and um, so they were coming behind him everywhere he had gone they went and they gave a different story different information and it was confusing because he had been very honest and forthright and told them you know this this is the way it is this is the truth and many people were receptive to it but when these other folks came behind him and they tried to, to change the information that he had given them. In fact, they even kind of cast doubt on him as an individual and said, you know, I don't even think he's really uh, a coach. I don't think he's qualified even to be a coach at all. Um, but I think you need to, to abide by these other requirements uh, if you really, really want to be a good college player and be on the right team. So when the coach in the upstate heard about this and what had happened, he wrote a letter to the NCAA to clarify what was, what was happening and to put an end to this misinformation that was coming out of Columbia because he wasn't going to stand for that because it was doing harm to people. Now, would anybody be interested in reading a letter like that? To see what it was what, what was said, I kind of want to know you know what his reaction would be. Now, obviously, that's just made up and and kind of silly. But here's the thing: a situation almost exactly like that happened in this city, and it happened to Paul because Paul, during his very first missionary journey traveled through all these different cities in this region and had planted churches all along the way. But as soon as he left, certain individuals who claimed to be Christians came in and tried to change the whole gospel message that he had worked so hard to teach in these churches. 
And so this letter that we have before us today, Galatians, is that letter that Paul wrote. So I want to read just the first five verses today. It's, not, it's just almost the introduction to the letter, but that will give us a good place to start as we go through the rest of the letter in the weeks ahead. So if you'd follow along with me, Galatians chapter 1, and we'll just read the first five verses. The words are also on the screen for you if you'd like. Here's what the Bible says. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that after we have observed this table and remembered the sacrifice that was made for us, I pray you would speak clearly to our hearts, help us understand, and Lord, help us be obedient so that you would be glorified and your kingdom would be built up. We pray this for the glory of Christ. Amen. Let me give you a little background on this whole area, this city, this letter, this situation. The author, of course, is the Apostle Paul. He was inspired by God to write these words for a very particular purpose. The time frame is about halfway through the first century. It's about A.D. 48-49 in that general time period. It was just after Paul's first missionary journey. He had gone out. He had come back. He came back to the same place where he started, the same town. And the letter was directed to churches, not just one, but churches in an area. It was the southern region of Galatia. And that's where he had um, started these churches on his first missionary trip. The theme of this letter, as we're going to see develop throughout these next weeks, is justification before God is by faith in Christ alone. There's no other way. There's no works that will earn your way to heaven. There's no good deeds that will make you look better in God's eyes. Everything that is necessary to take us from death to life was accomplished by Jesus Christ on the cross. Everything. So the theme, the key verse even, the key verse in this letter is, is going to be in the future here in our study, chapter 2, verse 16. And the, the main point of that verse, at the very end of it, says, By the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. So the purpose of this letter is to combat against false teaching and false teachers. They were known as Judaizers. They had disrupted the church after Paul left. In fact, you can kind of lay these two books beside one another and see some timeline. Acts chapter 15, in verse 1, you'll see information about Paul's missionary journey. But in Acts 15, verse 1, it says, Some men came down from Judea, began teaching the brethren that unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. That was the the main thrust of this false teaching. Yeah, I heard you believed in Jesus. Yeah, well, that's not quite enough. You've got to do some works to make it real. And that's just simply not true. But that's what was being taught. 
So when we look at the letter before us today, and like I said, this is just the introduction, it's just the first five verses, but there's several things we need to kind of set straight before we get into the, what you might call the meat of the letter. So there's three things in particular that we're going to see in this text that I think will be helpful for us to understand. Number one, the ministry comes from God. The ministry comes from God. Look at the very first two verses. As soon as the letter starts, Paul is, is recognized as an apostle. So he says that. Paul, an apostle. Now, you know what that word means? Because it kind of gets thrown around today in, in improper usage. Did you know that there are no apostles living today? It's impossible. So if you see somebody or a church or whatever and they call themselves apostle, red flag, okay, no such thing. You know why? Because one of the requirements to qualify as an apostle was that you were a visual witness to the resurrected Christ. Well, that was 2,000 years ago. So last time I checked... No apostles still living, right? So that title is, is a sacred title, and it meant something when it was applied. So when Paul says an apostle, that, that's making a statement, because right off the bat you know something about Paul, that he was an eyewitness to the, to the resurrected Jesus. Okay, But then look what he says about his apostleship. He says, and it's almost parenthetical, and it might be in parentheses in your Bible, it says, not from men. So that means nobody said to Paul, I think you'd make a good apostle. That's not how that works. It's not from men. And then he goes on and says, nor through the agency of man. In other words, no process, no committee meeting, no, no board of directors said, hey, you would be a good apostle, we're going to elect you as an apostle. No, no, not, not how it happened. Paul is an apostle not from men, nor through the agency of man. How did he become an apostle? Look at the end of verse 1. Through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. That's kind of, uh, that trumps all that other stuff. Okay? When, when, when God the Father and, and His Son Jesus Christ declare you are an apostle, that means something. That means something. So Paul was an eyewitness of the risen Christ. He had authority to speak from God. He uh, was not ministering because of someone's opinion. He was not made an apostle or a minister through man. He, it was given to him. If you recall the, the Damascus Road experience in the book of Acts, he was arrested, literally, by Jesus. He was blinded. He was put on his knees, and he knew immediately, if you recall how he responded to that event, he knew immediately what was happening to some degree because when he was blinded, he said, Who are you, Lord? He had a sense something, was, something major was happening. And the response was, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. So, so Paul had a very personal, a very... Um, dramatic conversion experience. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus. God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. So, so all of this is combined in Paul's encounter when he says, I'm an apostle through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Him from the dead. That's a big deal. And he's not, also not alone in ministry because there's a consensus 
of support for this letter by all the brothers. We see verse 2, all the brethren who are with me. Paul's doctrine that he taught all along that first, miss, first missionary journey, it's the received teaching of the church. So it was valid. It was appropriate for everything that Jesus had done during His earthly ministry. It was the received doctrine of the Christian church, so it was, um, it was true in every bit. All the, the truth that Paul used to teach and to begin these churches, uh, that was the truth from God. And that was a consensus from all those who were with him. Now, here's the application for us. Why does it make such a big deal about the ministry coming from God? What are the repercussions if it had not come from God? And why does that matter to us? Well, think about this. In some instances, it's almost as if becoming a preacher or a pastor uh, might be a desirable career choice to some uh, I, I know personally a couple of guys who were called into the ministry by their grandmother you know, you know what I mean when I say that from, from the time they were this big grandma always said you know you're going to be a preacher one day you're going to be a preacher one day and so when they grew up and grandma kept reinforcing that over and over and over, you're going to be a preacher one day. They decided one day, well, maybe I'll be a preacher. Now, is there anything wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a whole lot wrong with that. You know why? Because a preacher doesn't become a preacher unless God tells him to be a preacher. Now, you know why that's significant? Let me just tell you. I'm in my 19th year of serving the Lord vocationally as a pastor. There, I can't count on both my fingers, both my sets of fingers here. I can't count the number of times when I've had the, the thought, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Do I really want to deal with everything I'm dealing with? Do I really want to put my family through everything we're going through? Is this really where I'm supposed to be? And I'm going to tell you, honestly, were it not from a call from God... I wouldn't be doing this. There are days and times and instances, moments when a call from on high is the only reason you continue doing what you're doing. And if you don't have that, then when things get difficult and challenging and problems arise, here's what you'll do. Well, fine, I don't need this. I, I, there's half a dozen other things I can go do. And I can be just happy and fine. I don't need this. But you don't have that option when God tells you this is what you're supposed to do. So, being called by God, Paul being an apostle, not from men, not through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Him from the dead, that means something. And it means a lot to Paul, it means everything to Paul because he knows why he's doing what he's doing and he knows that's the only thing he's supposed to do. Number two, not just the ministry. The message comes from God. Paul did not sit in his home and write 
a dramatic novel and say, I think when I go out on these trips, I'm going to teach this. God gave him the truth. God gave him the message. It was the ministry and life of Christ. It was the Old Testament Scriptures that he had learned so well when he was studying to be a Pharisee and when he was rising through his ranks and becoming the top of his class and really being the smart guy in the room and knowing the Scriptures backwards and forwards. And then all of a sudden, he's going to persecute these believers in this new way and Jesus gets a hold of him and, and he redirects all of that talent and all of that intelligence and all of that um, motivation and he redirects it for the glory of God. So at this point, Paul is now being used by God in ministry and he's got a message straight from God. Look what he says in verse 3. Grace to you and peace. That's significant. We know that grace is unmerited favor. It's uh, a typical greeting in a lot of these letters. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But here it's extra important because salvation by grace alone is the thing that's being questioned by all these false teachers. They're coming behind Him and saying, yeah, I know you believe in Jesus and grace, yeah, yeah, that's great, but you really need to do these things too, or else you're really not saved. And that's contrary to what the Bible teaches. And so, grace and peace find their source in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So look what he says here in verse 3. He says, God our Father. There's a, an identification there. He's our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me tell you why that is important. The fact that he didn't just say grace and peace from God our Father, he also said the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you why that's important. This is a direct statement of the full divinity of Jesus, the Godness of Jesus. His title is the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's look at that. Let's take it apart. What does Jesus mean? That's the name that was given to him, right? Matthew one twenty one. You'll call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. What does Christ mean? Christ is Messiah, the Anointed One, the One sent from God. Okay. Well, nobody has a problem with that. Jesus Christ. Jesus is the name given to him. Matthew one twenty one. Christ is the the title Messiah. But that what other word, Lord? That means something entirely different. See, Lord was a word that was reserved for God the Father in all the Old Testament Scriptures. So when somebody comes along and looks at Jesus Christ and says, Lord, that's a new ball game. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9-11. through 11, Therefore God has highly exalted Him and given Him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. He's Lord. That's a whole new designation. In other words, Jesus is God. Period. There's no debate. There's no, well, let's look at the evidence. No, Jesus is God. He showed it. He said it Himself. The Bible attests to this truth. So this statement, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is He the Lord? 
He gave Himself. He gave Himself for our sins. That's what we just remembered. So, so think about the, the significance of this false teaching that has come into these churches in this region of Galatia and why Paul's making such a big deal about it. Why did God inspire Paul to write this letter? James Boyce said that to choose law as the Galatians were doing, is to fall uh, from grace. To live by works is to lose the peace with God that was purchased for believers by Christ's atonement. So the, the Galatian believers didn't realize the, the, the significance of what was happening here. This false teaching causing them to choose law instead of grace meant they were falling from the very thing that Jesus died to purchase. Their redemption. Martin Luther, the great reformer, Martin Luther, said the more a person seeks credit for himself by his own efforts, the deeper he goes into debt. Nothing can take away sin except the grace of God. We, we cannot do enough good, often enough, for long enough, to even scratch the surface of our sinfulness. We cannot possibly, our best work on our best day for the rest of our lives would be not even close to enough. There's nothing. We need to get this through our thick heads. There is nothing we can do to save ourselves. There is no possible way to be forgiven of our sin apart from the blood of Jesus. It's impossible. The Bible makes that so clear in so many places, and I, I really hope we can grasp that and its importance, not just as, a, as an idea and a principle, but as a truth that we have to live by. This is not just a, a nice thing that we say in church. This affects our whole lives. We can't earn our way to heaven. It's impossible. So what does that mean on a practical level? Here's what it means. You need Jesus. Not, well, do I want Jesus or not? No, no. This is far beyond that. doesn't matter whether you want Him or not. You need Him. You, you need Jesus. You, you've got to have Jesus. If you don't have Jesus... You will spend eternity in hell, separated from God for all, all time. You, you need Jesus. I, I don't know, I, I just can't be, I, I can't overstate that. You, you've got to have Jesus. In John 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. I'm giving you my peace. See, these are not just words that Paul's throwing around. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But the gospel itself is the message that has come from God that Paul is preaching. That's uh, the foundation of all the churches he started on his missionary journeys. This gospel... This fact in verse 4 where it says Jesus Christ is the Lord because He gave Himself 
for our sins so that He might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. See, this Gospel truth, just think about how instrumental this was even during the Reformation. I quoted Martin Luther a moment ago. This is why there was a Reformation. Because the Roman Catholic Church at the time was not teaching the true Gospel. They were not teaching what the Scriptures say. And that's why Martin Luther and others in that time period were going against the church saying, hey, I hear what you're saying, but that's not what the Bible says. And by the way, you know why Baptists are who we are? Because we fought a war in our own denomination over the Bible. To say, we may believe all kinds of different things and people have their own opinions, but if you're going to be a, a Baptist church, a Southern Baptist church, we are people of the book. That means whatever this Bible says, that's what we believe. And it doesn't matter what my opinion is, because my opinion is not going to get you to heaven. God's Word is king over everything. His Word is the source of our truth and it's our authority. So this Gospel message is a big deal And it's a big deal that it came from God, not from man. The process was that Jesus Christ gave Himself, verse 4, for our sins. He gave Himself. That's a selfless sacrifice. It's the strongest description imaginable for what Christ did to redeem sinful man. He gave Himself. He didn't pay a, a, a bill. He didn't give some of His stuff. He, he didn't give part of anything. He gave Himself, which means He gave everything. Everything. His purpose was to rescue or deliver us from the present evil age. That means that we can be delivered from the power of sin in the present age, and we can be delivered from the presence and penalty of sin in the age to come. And this plan, don't miss the end of verse 4, according to the will of our God and Father. This plan, this gospel plan of redemption, was all according to the will of our God and Father. Even from our own documents, the Baptist faith and message, justification is God's gracious and full acquittal upon principles of His righteousness, of all sinners who repent and believe in Christ. Justification brings the believer into a relationship of peace and favor with God. One commentator wrote that whatever else Galatians teaches, it certainly tells us in clear and vigorous language that our right standing before God can only be an act of grace received through Jesus Christ. The bottom line is this. Salvation begins and ends with Jesus, not us. It's all about Jesus. Literally. In every way, it's all about Jesus. Now, now let's think about why that's a big deal. This is another personal application for us. You read in the Bible this group of people, especially in the New Testament, Pharisees. And, And Pharisees, typically, they don't have a good reputation, right, among the people, because they're holier than thou, they're uh, legalistic, they're, hey, I know what you need to do. Oh, but you're not going to do it? No, I'm not going to do it, but you need to do it. 
Because this, no, this is the law. Yeah, so if it's the law, that means you need to do it too? No, well, no, you don't worry about me. You just, you need to do this. That's a Pharisee. Legalism. And, and by the way, legalism is not biblical. Because legalism says, you need to be like me. The gospel says, we need to be like Jesus. See, none, none of us is good enough to set the standard. Right? That's the whole reason we all need Jesus. Okay? So, examples of that is when, when you see churches as a whole or denominations or people, individuals, who are, who are always pointing a finger and telling you what you're doing wrong, all the while ignoring the plank of wood sticking out of their own eye, that's legalism. It's not the gospel. The gospel is two beggars trying to find bread. And, and we're, we're finding everything we need in the gospel. The truth about Jesus. That, that's what we're all looking for. I, I, don't think for a second because I'm standing here where I'm standing and I'm talking and you're listening that I am in any less need of God's grace, mercy, and love and forgiveness than anybody else in this room. Probably more so. I, I don't have it figured out. Okay? Not even close. I need Jesus as bad as any sinner in this room. So we're, we're on a quest together to grab hold of Jesus and never let go. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So how does this text end in, in uh, verse 5? Number 3, by the way. The glory belongs to God. The ministry comes from God, the message comes from God, and the glory goes to God. Verse 5, after he's just written, Paul written, uh, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom? So we're talking about the God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore, amen. Our God and Father has a plan that is perfect. It includes the willing sacrifice of, of His Son on our behalf. And, and before you think, you know, you, I talked about how Jesus is praying in, in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, please remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but Your will be done. That's what He prayed. But, but lest we think that there was some kind of involuntary feature here to what's going on, let me just remind us all what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 10. You ready? This might shock some of you if you hadn't read it recently. First of all, you know Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. We, we typically quote verse 5, Isaiah 53, 5. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. Right? You know what it says in verse 10, same chapter? Just a few verses down. But the Lord, Father, Lord, Yahweh, was pleased to crush Him. Putting Him to grief 
If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion among the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. See, this was a plan that was set in motion from the foundation of the world. And it included a willing sacrifice. The Lord was pleased to crush him. Because it was all part of the plan. It brought about the pardon for sinners. So every time we have a thought about the mercy of God shown to us in Jesus Christ, we ought to take it as an opportunity to give God glory. Thank Him. It's almost incomprehensible that this is the plan. It just doesn't even sound right. Why would He go to this extent? Why, why would this be the only way this could happen? But it's according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. There is no plan B for our justification. It, plan A is Jesus. And that's the only plan we need. Jesus. In fact, you, if, you're, if you're inclined to math, you could, you could write an equation. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. There's, there's just one way to God, and it's through the shed blood of, of Christ on our behalf. He, he's done everything necessary. All that is left is for us to surrender and to say yes. Say yes to Jesus. That's all that's left. So, have you? Have you said yes? Listen, listen right now. Very carefully. Jesus is, is calling you right now. You hear it? He's calling. Just say yes. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. For more information on Berlin Baptist Church, we invite you to explore our website at www.berlinchurchsc.org. 